You're listening to Paint the Town podcast with your hosts, LA Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of LA Street Art Gallery, James Chen of. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm here with uh, Kai today and Teach. We're in Kai's studio. This is an awesome place, man. Thank you for inviting us, bro. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really, really honored. This is uh, this is definitely one of the coolest venues that we've done a podcast from. Um, we've been having a little bit of technical difficulties, so um, you know we're uh, always having fun with that. When we were over in Amsterdam, we had all this equipment ready to go. And then all of a sudden the switchboard just blew out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I carried all this equipment over there. We're all ready to go. We're looking nice and professional and everything for Frankie Hollywood. And the next thing you know, we're going, uh-oh, what's wrong? No? But okay. My videographer, Kim, always says, you think you're traveling. Let's say you're three people. You think you're traveling just three, but you're forgetting Murphy. And Murphy always shows up. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, dude, thanks. Thanks for letting us uh, come into your studio, man. This is, uh, this is one of the, I've got a little bit of space envy uh, because it's got a really, really nice uh, studio space. Can't tell you where it is, um, but uh, you know, it is uh, definitely got some, some great space. And um, thanks for having us over, man. No problem. Thank you guys for coming and I'm happy you like it. It wasn't always like this. It took a few years to finally build up to this, but I really enjoy having the space and having the ability to work in many different mediums and many different things at the same time. And yeah, just I mean, Kai, one of the things, my favorite thing, at least everybody knows you for, man, is your little character, man. And I'm a big fan of like cartoons and just like, you know, when people invent their own characters. So I'm really looking forward to like hearing the story behind this whole character and just how you came about and just like, you know, Let's where you started. Where, where are you from? Where did yeah, you grow man. up? Where'd okay, grow so up? I grew up in Los Angeles, California. Okay, what part? Because I'm from <laughs> LA too, man. I grew up right off Melrose. Okay, okay. So I grew up in like the Melrose, Fairfax area. Okay. okay. And growing up, my father had us moving a lot. We didn't really have the financial stability that every family has. Mm -hmm. So we were constantly moving, constantly bouncing from house to house. So we never really had internet or cable. And because of that, I grew up with a lot of books and a lot of cassettes, like VHS cassettes. Now, just to give people an idea of, of, of how old you are, because we've had uh, artists of you know, all different ranges of ages and everything. Uh, how old are you? I'm in my mid-twenties. I'm 26. Oh, my God. You're so young, man. <laughs> I know. And accomplished so much, so man. so much <laughs> for, uh, for such a young age. Now, my, my question is, when did, uh, do you remember how old you were when, when you, you realized that you had, uh, you know, like, a, you know, kind of like this artistic endeavor? Talent. So, I don't think I ever really thought I had an artistic talent or, or this was like a gift or anything like that. Like I said, I grew up with no TV, no cable, no internet for most of my life. And the only way to enjoy myself or have fun was either playing sports or drawing, sketching, playing music. So I grew up, like, I played the guitar, played the drums, played the piano, drew, painted. Um, I tried to go pro in soccer at one time. I tore my ACL nice. a few times. Oh. Yeah. Do you have any brothers or sisters? Yeah, I have. I'm the oldest of four. I have. Oh, one. my God. <laughs> Oh, they, did they figure out how what was causing it? I mean, my ACLs. Four. Yeah. Um, no, I'm talking about all the brothers oh. and all the kids. <laughs> I mean, my gosh, you that, 
That's not I a got lot. twins, you know what I mean? Yeah. I got twin eight-year-olds, and I figured it out. As soon as they were done, done. <laughs> That's enough. I think they wanted to have two boys and two girls, and they accomplished that. So I'm the oldest of four. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm the oldest brother, then I have a little brother right under me, and then I have two baby sisters that came pretty close back-to-back. Okay. What's your heritage, bro? So I'm French-Mexican from descent. Okay, okay. Mixed in with a little bit of Jewish and North African-Tunisian. So okay. So did you just do your ancestry? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was just saying, it's pretty specific. Like, yeah. you know, pretty... I love it, man, because a lot of people, you know, they don't really know what we're... Like, a lot... I just did my ancestry. I'll do it back in my day. You know what I mean? Okay, I'm 50. You know what I mean? Growing up when I was 20, I didn't know what the fuck I was. You know I mean? My dad is Italian, you know? My mom, she was... English and Scott Irish or something like that, but come to find out that was actually pretty close. I'm like mostly Italian and got some English, Welsh, and Scott Irish in me and everything, but you know, that didn't exist back when I was your age, you know. But that's awesome that you can like figure it out now. Yeah, it's you know crazy. I mean? No, it's awesome. Yeah, I found out I'm like 1% Japanese, which was, I was like, oh <laughs> man, I, like as a Chinese person, you know. Uh, there's that history there, you, yeah. you, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, on. exactly. You know what I mean? But no, it's cool, man. No, I, I just had to ask because uh, uh, you grew up in L.A. just like me. You, you know what I mean? I actually grew up in San Gabriel Valley area, okay. not not so much L.A., L.A., but still L.A. County, you know. So, um, you know, there's so much different groups here, man, of different people. And I think that's one of the most wonderful things about L.A. There's so many different groups. We, you know, get to try. Exactly. A melting pot. You get to try so many different types of food, authentic, good food around the areas, you know. And then also art, man. I mean, every single culture has their traditional kind of like uh, type of art, you know. And then we all kind of grow up with, if you're an immigrant family. I grew up in Destin, this little fishing village, you know what I mean? (laughs) The only piece of graffiti I ever remember from there was this dude wrote Ethics. On a uh, on a container. That's cool though. And that was, but dude, that was it. That was all the graffiti there was, you know. And then I came to LA and I was just like, oh, oh my god, you know. Wait, what I was is, so blown away by it, but I, I couldn't come up with anything. You know what I mean? I think I had like the same thing. I think growing up in LA, like you walk around, and you're like, how did they do this? When did they do this? Right, exactly. I want to try, and then you you finally like dabble, and when you dabble, you start to like. It takes time, but you start to find yourself. So when did when did you actually start developing an interest to put your stuff, as opposed to just doing artwork, actually putting it on the street? So, I grew up like I said with a lot of, a lot of free time, a lot of, a lot of, time to like draw, sketch, do my thing. My dad was a creative director, for a company. My mom dabbles in photography. I played music. Ah, I got and, the genetics going. Nice. Yeah, a little bit. And my father was a big smoker. Heavy, heavy, heavy duty smoker. Weed smoker or uh, no, cigarette. cigarette smoker? Yeah, okay, cigarette okay. Smoker. And I grew up with no grandparents. Okay, okay. Everyone had already passed away by the okay. time I was born. And you go, you go to school all the time. People are like, "Yeah, I went to Christmas at my grandma's house, and I got all these cool gifts." Or Thanksgiving at this person's house was so cool, and I didn't have that. And mm-hmm. I told myself, I want my kids one day to have that. I want my kids to have their grandparents. I want my kids to know who my dad was. I want my kids to know who my mom was. And my dad, being a heavy smoker, scared me because I knew he was going to die. Like, sure. Uh, eventually, sure. it was going to catch up to him, and he was, it was going to get him. Sure. And since he was a creative director and his first language isn't English, mm-hmm. talking to him never gets through to him. You could talk to him for f- 15 hours. He's okay, like, well then, so you're, what, 
He, what, what language would he speak to you? He speaks to me in French. Okay, okay. So I'm also fluent in French. Nice, and nice. How many other languages? Yeah. How, <laughs> we just got back from Amsterdam, man. I, mean, we were, I we were speak talking to... French, Spanish, English, and a little bit of Hebrew. Nice, so. nice, nice. Okay, okay. See, that's that's normal for a European. You know what I mean? <coughs> for an American, you are like, <coughs> completely brilliant, like, you know, some kind of rocket scientist or something like that, if you know that many languages. Exactly. And also, we were saying that, you know... Uh, it's fortunate to grow up in a multicultural family where you get to uh, be around like different types of ethnicities and learn different to figure out yeah exactly like different you know you learn different languages like I'm Chinese you know what I mean and it's like when I was a kid, man, um, my Chinese is fluent right now. You know what I mean? And awesome. I, I'm really, really happy about And it's, it's paying, paying yeah. off right now, right? Chinese people are uh, a lot That's stronger nowadays. Um, but the thing is, like, uh, my parents, they just wouldn't let me speak English to them, even though they know how to speak English. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like you, know, you just preserve this culture at home. You know, you know what I so mean? So what's your first language? Um, my first language, I believe, is French. Okay. And then Spanish wow. and then English. Okay. And English is like your third language. Yeah, I'm super <laughs> dyslexic. I'm hyper dyslexic. Like you ask me to read something, you give me oh, a minute. You and I have something in common. Yeah. I'm a little my, myself, but That's awesome. to know that many languages must be. Yeah, it's sometimes I'll speak in a mishkabob or like a mush of languages, and people are like, "What did you mean?" I'm like, "One second, let me." <laughs> Let me catch myself. What do you call it when you speak like part French, part English? Because you know, we call it Chinglish, basically, oh, right? Franglish. <laughs> yeah, Is that a thing, dude? I'll speak. I'll speak. I'll use a bunch of different words from a bunch of different languages in a, in a single sentence. Sometimes, if like I'm in a rush or I'm like hyped up, or it'll just like splurt out, and it's like a bunch of like people are like, "What are you saying? What? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not understanding you quite clearly." No, that's that's cool though, man. But growing up in LA, man, I mean, tell me a little bit about like. You know, uh, well, you grew up in the Melrose there. I don't know yeah. how it was in, like, I don't know. Is it a rough neighborhood growing up? Because, uh, um, it was, like I, said, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it was, you, were you ever bullied or anything? I was never bullied. I'm a pretty big guy. Yeah. Okay. And I, yeah, was, no, I yeah, was a definitely. pretty big guy growing well, up. Well, you know what, though? Sometimes it doesn't matter if you're a big guy if you don't have the right, uh, yeah. right attitude or something to go but with it. I, I grew up, my brother's a year and a half younger than me. So okay. already two of us were kind of like no one's we're not afraid of anyone. Oh, There's two you're of at us. School together. Nice. Ah, yeah. Okay, okay. And then okay. partner with you there. And then I had a couple cousins that were. I have a cousin that's exactly my age, and I have another cousin that's my brother's age. So there's four of us. Oh, dude, you got your gang right there. Yeah. So no one ever really messed with us, and if they did, it was like boom, four of us on the spot <laughs> right away. So, nice. so I was never really bullied. I never, I never really dealt with like that kind of issue okay i dealt okay. more with like not being able to fit in a category yeah 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 i'm, I'm so many that. i'm so many different i have so many different backgrounds and ethnicities built into me and my color and my skin complexion doesn't really fit anyone's mm-hmm. anyone's grouping of people sure. so i never quite f- like fit in with groups of people at school i kind of was like on my own and there was like the outcast group and i was that was like the coolest group i guess and that's what I, that's who I was with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that seems to be it's interesting because it seems to be like one of these common uh themes among themes among the musicians that uh, that we talked to and also the uh uh artists that we it's like man, we couldn't really find like uh you know, a group of deep people yeah, that we fit into edge. and but then you found all the outcasts and then all the outcasts are like, "Hey, you know what? We can I, hang out. We all do yeah. weird creative shit we too, do, you know." They're also really <laughs> smart. Like a lot of the outcasts were like, "I took AP Calc. We were all in AP Calc." That was like really cool. It was eight people in AP Calc. AP Calc. Oh my god. <laughs> and, 
And it That's was ridiculous, okay? Can we just talk about that for a second? Like, AP Calc, what the hell are you going to use that for growing up in life? <laughs> I, I use it a lot, it? yeah. Because okay, when well, I engineer, right. like, my sculptures and stuff, I use a lot of the mechanisms we, we but, but they have, But they have, like, calculators right, most that people, kind of thing. Most fucking people aren't going to use this shit, okay? When I got to algebra, it was like, why? Why? There's no need for it. I never use algebra. In, in, okay, I use it a little bit when I'm mixing my chemicals yeah. and everything. But seriously, other than that, never. To survive in, in, in any other job but or whatever. But I, I think you'll use it. I think you use it without realizing you use it. Like, you, you learn the mechanism of how it works. And I think little by little in your everyday life, you're plugging in things to like certain formulas that are sort of the same thing. Like, how am I going to get that done? Or how am I going to get that accomplished? Well, I think I think the tough thing is like yeah, is I, what, can see, yeah, I can see how you mean you make up little equations yeah, and stuff yeah. to kind of oh, okay, time yeah. management. Yeah, right, time management. Yeah. Also, like let's say you know like the end goal is to make a four foot by four foot painting, and you know you have X, Y, and Z materials. You know that you're missing something. You can kind of formulate that in your head, like okay, I know I have this. I know that my end goal is this. What am I missing? Interesting. And it's just a That's, it's a way of you know thinking. What? It's but not necessarily. Thank God we don't have to use the F factor of X and all these <laughs> and all this shit, and the postulates and all this other bullshit. We got like our own yeah. kind of natural development of, of uh of how to dude, solve I'm telling problems. you, man, I went to for calculus, damn dude. I'm Asian but I'm fucking shitty at math, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. Like check this out. Like for calculus in uh in college, man, I went to Santa Barbara, dude. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Of course, like we're partying and things like that, so you know, but I you know I, I swear to God, I took like nine calculus classes, and there's only like three of th- three of them. You know, I had to take each one like over and over again, bro. So you know, I always say like artists, like we are always kind of like, hey, let's try this, and then for a uh, scientist, they're kind of like, okay, let's kind of study the environment and then kind of figure out like what is the best scenario. You really, really analyze things yeah. before you Just kind of dive, dive yeah, into let's things. Talk about your mediums that you you like working in. Okay, I feel like we're jumping around, but that's fine. no, no, no. That's uh, cool. That's no, okay, <laughs> we catch you off guard, and then all of a sudden, next year, we get to know who you really yeah. are. Um, so I work in many, many different mediums. Yeah, I can tell, man. Looking in the studio, there's so, sculptures here. There's drawings. There's there's like oil paintings. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know what I mean? So there's, I'm classically trained, which is cool. Okay. Um, so I do. I got into art because of my dad. He was smoking, and I created my first piece, which was Morons, which was plastered all over L.A. Oh, oh Morons man. with the cigarettes. Yeah, with the cigarettes. And Brilliant. And it got my dad to quit. I gave him a small canvas. That was the first time I ever made it. He saw the canvas, and he said, we don't have much. Here's a couple hundred dollars. I'm going to be your first collector. I'm going to believe in you before anyone else. But do me a favor. Don't go buy a pair of Jordans. Don't go buy a pair of nice cleats. Don't go buy something that's just a waste try and help other people the way you help me and mm. growing up with no tv no internet none of that really i went to the books that he that he had around the house and one of them was a book on street art and i was like mm-hmm. oh wow this looks really easy like if you really break down what they're doing it's really really simple it's paper some kind of staining mechanism paint ink whatever you want watercolor and then it's just the thing that's kind of hard is getting it up and getting it to stay up. Yeah. Getting it up, up in the street, I mean. But, sure. Um, so I took the $400. Yeah, what book was that that you're talking about? I have no idea. Yeah, it was like okay. the top 100 artists art in the books. world. Okay. It was okay. like, it's like no, this just curious, big cause... white book. 
Yeah. With like a blue binding. I, okay. I know if I see it. Sure, sure. We would love to. I love yeah. to know it. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, inspire the art. That... In the little videos, I guarantee you we're gonna have it and we're gonna show you. Yeah, I have, I have to find it. I think my brother has it. No, but... like I said, yeah. But Scar, interrupt. Yeah. Please continue. Yeah. So I did. So I I saw that I took the money and I said if this message can help my father, it could help every other smoker out there. Mm-hmm. And I bought my first silkscreen setup. Didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I took the leftover money and I went to Santa Monica College. And I was 15 or 16 at the time. And I walked into the serigraphy class. Okay. And I told the teacher, I'd like to sign up for your class. He's sorry, I'm full. And I told him, look, I don't need the credits. I'm in high school. I don't really care. I just want to learn how this works. I'll pay you to tutor me. And he was like, how much money do you have? I'm like, I have $120. I gave him the 120. He's like, you're in my class. Be here every, I think it was every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. That's yeah, wait, awesome. Is, wait, hold on. <laughs> teacher took your money? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's brilliant. That's, that's cool, That man. is awesome. Okay, that's a real teacher. Right there. Okay, okay. He want, I think he wanted to make sure I was invested in it. Okay. I think he was like, and... I How start, much is a unit, man? I'm just saying that at this, originally. I'm just saying. I think it was four units or three units. Okay, okay. I'm just I, curious. I, I didn't like, know what that was. I yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I was like, all you need to do is look at the, the techniques. <laughs> yeah, I just had before, to learn. Right? Yeah, I just had to learn how yeah, it was yeah, yeah. done. Yeah. I'm a very do-it-yourself kind of guy. I'm a very, mm-hmm. like, if I see you do it a couple times, done. I'm going to do it. Sure. Yeah, that's so, all you need to do. Yeah. See, uh, all you people out there that are they're thinking maybe you need to go to a fancy art school or something like that. Would, actually, I did. I went to Ringling School of Art and Design. And, you know, there was, I learned a lot of things, but most of what I use now, I, I found out after I got out of art school. And from friends and from workshops and from other artists, you know what I mean? And, you know, Kai went and, and went to a, a community college, which I've actually mentioned before, you know, sometimes you don't need to go to a fancy, expensive school to figure out, you know, how to do what you want to do. And yeah. that's awesome. I, I was lucky I went to a good school after. But at the time, I was like, if I could learn how to make a screen, burn it, that was like, I, to me, that was like the most complicated thing of the whole situation. Yeah, you don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah, like, how do you burn a screen? What does that mean? How does emotion work? Mm-hmm. I was completely different types lost. Different emotion, different yeah, types different types of screens. Different kind of types of burning heat, burning times. You can use a light. You can use, there's many different ways to do it. I had no idea how to, like, start. So I took this class, and in the first couple of days, he literally taught me that if you glue a stencil to the back of a screen, you now have a silk screen. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, yeah. I can do this at home. Like, I know how to cut a stencil. I've been, I had been doing it before. Yeah. Um, then he taught me how to use the emulsion and how to pull emulsion and make sure that the screen has enough emulsion to last. And I learned how to make a silk screen work. Properly. How old were you at this time? I was like 15 or 16. I was nice. Like, wow. Nice. Yeah. Wow. You got started like, early, man. I really wanted wow. to do it, and I had nothing better to do with my time. So, <laughs> so why That's not? Cool. You no, know? you're right. Hey, your idea lo- of better things to do with your time and other kids' ideas of I was just about to say, growing up difference. in L.A., man, okay. <laughs> <laughs> growing up in L.A., it's like, hey, I don't have anything to do with my time. I need some money. No, first thing you go to is, hey, let me sling some drugs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least with me, kids in my neighborhood. Yeah, you, right. you know what I mean? So it was like, that's awesome, man. That It's just like you have this cool environment that was actually, your parents that actually like, or your, your father supported you early on and have a message. Yeah, you know, he was, that's super cool. He man. was just like, maybe, he, I, he was, he had, his dream was to be an artist at one time in mm-hmm. his life. And I think he saw me kind of start and he's like, maybe if I give him a little bit of, love a little bit of like support feed, feed yeah. some water to the seed it'll grow 
So he gave me the money. I took this class. I bought a couple of silk screens and I started to literally print hundreds of posters every weekend in the garage. Like hundreds of, I'm talking like you can't walk in the garage. You can't stand like there's posters <laughs> hanging you went ham on it. it's yeah. okay everywhere. to be a little obsessive <laughs> but it's the you exact I mean? same poster over and over and over and then I hand cut every single one man it was like the craziest thing and I had a good friend of mine and he had like this old beat up car and I told him well you just sit in the car while it like idly just keeps moving and I'll just put posters up from the trunk if the trunk's open and he was like <laughs> fuck yeah dude <laughs> So he you would, go out and you'd be just posting. So he would literally be driving in like the parking lane or the furthest lane to the side. The posters would be stacked in the trunk. The glue would be in the trunk. And I would literally take a poster out, take the glue brush out, put it, put the poster down, put glue over it, run to the car, put the thing back in the thing, walk with the car for a couple seconds, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man. And that's he, how I started. He got the sickness, man. <laughs> it wasn't even a sickness. Though. Yeah, but like, dude, that's no, let me just tell you, like, uh, that's way above normal. Yeah, uh, yeah, effort right there. Yeah. Okay. Most of you street artists or whatever, graffiti artists, whatever, you know, they'll they'll go out, they'll do what they call smash the town or whatever. You know, they may hit ten or fifteen of these little oh, traffic no. signal cabinet oh, boxes no. or something like that. No. My this first is... night was like 100. Jesus. <laughs> That's awesome, man. My first night was 100. My first month was like 500 posters, all handmade. Man. Every wow. single one was handmade. Man. Holy cow. So, okay, but... so now what that leads to, the next question is, you're getting up that much, eventually you're going to have little uh, so, experience with yeah. the law. No, so my first <laughs> experience with anything, actually, first reaction was this lady was driving down uh beverly and fairfax and she saw one of the posters on the little electrical boxes or whatever what year was this i have the email somewhere i can look it up but it wasn't just like i was in high school okay it was yeah, like yeah. at least ten years ago. yeah okay. eight, eight to ten years ago she saw it she sends me an email she like sends me the photo she's like i've tried to quit smoking for a very long time i haven't been able to i saw your poster i pulled over took a picture of it it's now the background of my phone and now, now, now I'll quit smoking. Something along those Man, lines. Man, that is awesome. all I would need to be like. I was great. I was so happy. I was like, "This is I'm." I totally. I, I touched two people. Do, yeah, I'm like I touched my father first, and now this yeah, lady. Yeah, two people. Yeah. yeah, that's enough. I mean, I I'm just saying that's enough to actually make you feel, feel like you did amazing, something. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, that's awesome. Man. So I felt amazing. So we kept going at it, me and my friend, and. A few weeks later, I started to get like a lot of mail. Now, for people who are who are listening, or, and for you guys too, I didn't know what I was doing. I was 15 or 16 years old. I had no idea how to do this, and I saw that all the artists signed their name and they put a website at the bottom of their poster oh, so people no. could find them. Oh god! I didn't do it the proper way. <laughs> I signed my name and then I put my email address. Oh no! So I got thousands of emails, thousands in my first year of reactions from people. And a lot of them were like this lady who were really happy to see this and to quit smoking. And the others were like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Straight up. They were like, there's one that really scarred me because it made me feel so bad. It was like, fuck you. I uh, I smoke to to relieve my stress. I have a really stressful life. This is my only way to break away from it. And now you're trying to take that away from me. Fuck you. 
fuck you. It was like a bunch of fuck you. And I was like a kid. I was like, oh, man. The reactions are getting, man. Yeah, I was like... And then I sat on it for a little bit. And I was like, if it's affecting people on both ends of the spectrum, I'm doing something right. Sure. Absolutely, sure. man. Absolutely. So, Talk about putting up a message. I yeah. would, you know, teach... Always, like, you know, has put up, like, teach peace, man. Yeah. And then it's like, now I understand the story behind uh, your morons campaign, man. And... Dude, that's powerful, man. Thank that's you, man. awesome, man. So, Thank you. So, so let's get to some of your other ones because, like, um, I definitely want to talk about... What was the next thing after the screen print? So man? I like, did what the, was the screen next printing, medium? and then I realized that it was getting attention, and I said, okay, I'll do a couple other designs. So I did one that was called Bankruptcy Express. That was kind of popular. I did Lost Values, which was, like, a home run hit. Mm-hmm. And it was a it was a little bit crazy. I took over LA with it for a little bit. Sure, Explain I remember. The image yeah. Okay, so lost values is the Louis Vuitton pattern. Yeah. And instead of reading Louis Vuitton across the pattern, it reads lost values LV. Mm-hmm. And the concept behind it was, I was sitting at like a little table with a couple friends at a restaurant, and one of the girls at the table was like, "I'm so happy. I've saved up my money. I'm gonna go buy myself a nice, nice purse. Like it's gonna be so cool." And I was like, "I just." I was like, how much is this purse? She's like, about $4,000. <laughs> and I looked at her. I'm like, what kind of... I'm like, okay. I like, gave her like a weird look. And everyone at the table was like, yeah, it's so cool. And I was like, what has happened to my generation that a $4,000 purse is like the most exciting thing you can buy? <laughs> <laughs> now, I believe... And well, just look, I, yeah, I would have bought a car. Yeah. Honestly. So You're right. Yeah, though. Yeah. And it kind of shocked me, and I was like, we've lost our values. My generation has lost its values. Well, also, LV, Louis Vuitton, too, yeah. right? <laughs> so it was right the same there. thing. Yeah, exactly. And, um, so I did that image. I painted it everywhere. I did some posters. And that literally took me from being, like, the L.A. kid that no one really liked. I got a lot of hate in the beginning from, like, the street art community. Oh, really? Of course, dude. That's anytime you're accomplishing something, you're reaching a lot of people. I got spit. My amount of hate was so crazy. I, do they even know who it was, though? Young, I'm just, no, I was young, so young. No one knew how I was. accomplishing something? Yeah, it was it's really happen. bad. And, um, and then Lost Values came around, and it kind of shut a lot of people up. Did people know yeah. that it was uh, you initially, too? Um, I, I didn't... There's no, like, there no pictures of me. There was no... It was just this... A lot of people thought I was really old, much older. I was really young. So people were giving me sure, a hard I time. I thought you were older. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, that's because I'm projecting. Well, he's like half I'm, your age, kind of, I got bro. started yeah, when okay. I was like 41 years old, you know what I mean? So I'm yeah. projecting, you know, this guy's got some good ideas. you got to be an older fella, you know what I mean? No. But yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so after, the, uh, so after the screen print, I mean, when did so you get to the sculpture? I went, sculpture I went from screen printing to like a lot of stencil work, a lot of like sure. spray paint, a lot mm-hmm. of that. I really like, I preferred that over the screen printing. Okay. To me, the screen printing seemed cheap mm-hmm. and the painting seemed, okay, you're leveling up. And my dad saw that this was going to become a little bit of a career for me. Mm-hmm. So he really brought in like a bunch of books. Like there's a couple there. There's like the Van Gogh, the Degas. I had a Franz oh, Hall's yeah. book. I had an Anthony Van Dyke book. The classics, nice, man. He made me really study the, like the true masters and classics. Yeah. And he told me, if you want to go anywhere in this, you need to know what they've done. Really digest it to be able to create more things for the future. Your dad's a smart man. Yeah. Very smart man. That's all, and you know, so supportive too, man. Because you know, yeah. uh, is he is he an artist? You said he, he he's a creative director. I think creative director. when he was younger, yeah, he wanted to be an artist. I see. Well, as a creative director, you, uh, you are an artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of like it. 
sometimes you don't have as much uh, freedom, freedom yeah. you know when you're working for somebody else too uh, as a creative director you know what I mean just but you like still you can use the medium you'd like to use yeah like, yeah he's not as hands-on like I what I compare like what me and teach to or other artists sure. my dad wasn't um, my dad was a, a brain sure so we need them though yeah <laughs> we run out of ideas <laughs> yeah. eventually you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly so he was like a, a really good brain so he made me digest all the history of art okay and he okay. told me if you want to keep going you have to draw and you have to paint in oil because that's what artists do Sure. And he, like, really pushed that on me. So I started to learn how to paint oils, and I created Now Royalty, okay, which is yeah. a, a collection of 27 paintings, yeah. all oil paintings. Yeah. And it's kind of my, like, the royalty of today, the Now Royalty. Mm-hmm. And instead of, when you go to Europe, like, you guys went to Amsterdam or yeah. Paris or the Louvre, like, you see the history on the walls. There's all yeah. the kings, the queens, the noblemen. Right. So I tried to do that for the United States. Nice. So I used the hip-hop stars, the yeah. rappers. Um, we, I see uh, 50 Cent on the wall right yeah. there, man. So, you, you know, I mean, that's one of the the, the that's really 50 cool. 50 Cent man. with a Victorian collar, mind you, <clears throat> and, and, and you know, and cape, and wow, just really detailed sleeves, the sword, and everything. It, dude, 50 Cent, man. If you haven't seen this, dude, you got to check this out. Man. <laughs> you got to have this. <laughs> yeah, that, dude, man. I'm telling you, you know, it's awesome because we just got back from Amsterdam. We we're talking to Frankie Hollywood, basically, mm-hmm. and he. Uh, was also painting these beautiful girls in these big ruffles and uh, you know uh, kind of showcasing modern day uh, royalty as well too so it's just so cool seeing these classical ideas man translate into modern things because you know when you have something that's 300 years later man like it's crazy yeah you know i mean it's gonna be people aren't gonna know who 50 cent is just like exactly we we don't necessarily know who the woman in the painting is but she was a royalty person at that time you you know what i mean Uh, dude that's awesome man so we got the stencils we got the spray paint we got the oil oil painting painting. man so when did you get to the sculpting man that took (laughs) a few years down the line but um so i did the oil paintings yeah and then it got a crazy reaction but i I was getting older as it took me three and a half years to complete the whole collection. Okay. So as the collection got completed, um, how about, how long did that piece, the fifty cent piece? Take? They take about three to six months. Yeah. Um, okay. Just dry time. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Also, layers of oil. And yeah, everything. layers of oil. <laughs> you don't want it to be wet. You go back over, and you're gonna mess That's that layer up. It's not only that. Like, I got better as I went along, and then I also hired help as I went along. Mm-hmm. Okay. And learning how to deal with hired help, learning how to deal with directing other people to work on your own work and learning how to learning how to accept that you were not as good five months ago as you are now and kind of being okay with that. Oh, yeah. That was a hard thing because you have a whole collection that's shown as a group, yeah. as, a, as a whole. And some of the paintings that were from the Early beginning, sessions, right? You can tell, or totally. at least I could tell. Sure. So it was about saying, okay, I've touched this one up enough times. I'm okay leaving it. You got abandoned it. Yeah, at some point. At some point. So I always call it killing your babies, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you write like a song and it's like an early on and you're at the end of the session or something like that. I'm a DJ, a okay. producer, yeah. So it's like a, you're like, oh, man, you know, some of them don't sound like they belong anymore. You, you know, yeah. I mean, so I can imagine it's kind of like the same thing, right? But the hard thing was as I made the collection, knowing it was going to be a collection, knowing oh, that see. it was gonna, so it was like constantly going back, constantly having the people who were helping me go back and. At some point, I had to learn how to do that. So I learned how to do that, and then I realized once I was done, took three years, this was not as cool as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. This is kind of lame. I like my older work before better, like lost values, morons. <laughs> yeah, hey, you know what? Though uh, you wouldn't know that 
until if I did it. Gone through yeah. It, right? So I was really happy, and I realized that I want my work from that moment on to tell a, a deep, meaningful message. I see. So that's while all of that's man. happening, I wanted to be a professional soccer player, so I was playing high level soccer. And I, t- I tear my ACL. Oh, oh man. I tear my first ACL. Yeah, that's the worst. Um, and I was like 18. I was applying to colleges. And I was going to be in bed for three months. I had like a really horrific tear. I tore it s- straight down the middle, which is really rare. Most people tear off one side of the bone. Mm-hmm. I t- tore it stab oh, in the man. middle. Jeez. I had, they, so had they, to they didn't touch remove me. it or anything? They let they, it heal? They did, no, they wouldn't touch me for three months. Yeah. I had so much blood and inflammation. Mm-hmm. I tore up my whole meniscus at the same Jeez. time. So, so I, was in, I was in bed for about three months. And while I was in bed, my dad told me and my mom told me and my whole family told me, you guys should, you should apply to art school. Like, people like your art. You're pretty good at it. Like, soccer is cool and everything, but try the art thing. Mm-hmm. And at first, I was so against it. I was against the idea of, like... Why? Because I wanted to have a family. Like, in my head, I wanted to be, like... Like a cool dad, I really like the idea of family. I really like the idea of kids, and I never thought being an artist could really support, support that. that. Yeah, or have that. Well, and man, I I totally uh, well good finish. Yeah. But I totally actually agree with you on that, <laughs> man. Because I actually love kids too, and I love I have a nephew, and I love hanging out. But being an artist, musician, sometimes it's not even just supporting. Sometimes it's just the lifestyle it's not, you have yeah, to the live. Movement, you like know the, what I mean? And it's like hours of work. Yeah, and you have to kind of put yourself in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put yeah. yourself in weird situations that might not be the best role model for your children. Like, exactly. You kind yeah. of, you know, but it's good for but being I, an artist. I was thinking you know? about that when I was 18, and my dad's like, no, you should do it. He's like, even if you just do it and like get it out of your system, just do it. So I applied to art schools. I applied to nine. I applied to 10 art schools in the country. They literally printed out a list of the top 10 art schools for me, and they said, you have to apply to these 10. So I got into all of them. Wow. It was really, really cool. It was a really exciting moment. And my dad's like, this is a message. This is a sign. You need to do art. This is what you're supposed to do. Sure. Pretty much. So I was like, okay. And I told him I wanted to go to the East Coast to study art. Okay. And he found out that in Valencia, there's a school called CalArts. Oh, yeah. Which Disney created. Okay. And Mm -hmm. it's rated the number one art school in the country. Sure. And I wanted to go to Risted or Pratt. Where? Risted, Rhode Island School oh, of Risted. Design. Oh, yeah, yeah, Risted. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Rhode Island School of Art and Design. Yeah. Um, or Pratt. And we had like a little bit of an argument one night about it. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of the top 10 art schools am I going to go to? <laughs> I love that, man. And I wanted to go to the East Coast. I said, I'm going to be way more creative. I can do more street art on the East Coast. Well, you're from LA. We all, yeah. we all, like it would we all romanticize yeah. about New York, yeah. really. Yeah. And, um, and Obey went to Risted. Risty. I yeah, don't know how to pronounce exactly. it. Yeah. And I was like, I need to go to RISD. Yeah. So. Or Cooper Union or something. Something, something cool, you know, like CalArts sounds a little lame. And it's just the name sounds pretty <laughs> shitty. <laughs> but it's one of, it's the best art school in the country. But that being said, we had an argument and I woke up one morning and he handed me like a little folded piece of paper. And he's like, a gift from your mom and I, you're the first person in anyone in the family, extended family included to graduate high school and to get into college so we paid for your first semester good luck i'm like awesome you guys paid and i look at the paper and it says cal arts (laughs) and i swear i was like a little bit upset i was like okay you guys kind of pushed me into a situation that i didn't really want to be in 
But I was happy. I was like, I'm going to art school. First semester's paid off. And it's close to home. It's close enough to home where I can live at school and be in dorms. And yeah. when I need to come home, I can drive home. So I got to CalArts and for the first time I had enough I thought I had enough people around me to teach me all the technical things about art that I needed to know to make all the ideas in my head come to life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Getting there, completely different reality. Oh man, Cal tell arts. me about this, man. Because <laughs> I was romanticized. Like, I didn't go to art yeah. school because, like... That's uh, what I was saying earlier about the community college. Did you do that? <laughs> yeah. Necessarily. So, Sorry, yeah. So, CalArts is a very interesting school. CalArts has a one, number one animation program in the country, for sure. Mm-hmm. Disney picks up all their animators from there, yeah. from what I understand, from what I saw. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a couple years ago, seven, eight years ago. But the whole school is based on the concept behind your art. They really drill home that what you're creating starts with what's in your mind and understanding the steps that you take after what you want to accomplish as being more important than actually accomplishing it. So wow. let me explain that a little bit. Yeah, yeah if you're gonna going paint, to detail, yeah. If you're going to paint a painting and you're going to paint it super flat with no texture, why not be a print, a poster, or a photograph? Mm. Why paint it? I see. And the teachers ask you, is it that important that it needs to be painted? Is it that important that it should be printed? Why are you painting it? What's the reason? Mm-hmm. You've got to validate, basically. Yeah, you can't just say, because I want to. That doesn't exist at CalArts. So, nice. um, so, so interesting, f- because it's like, well, usually in art school, you have, at least when I romanticize about it, mm-hmm. you know, I, mean, I think it's like so much freedom. And oh, actually, no. what they're... they're telling you specifically is hey here's the control yeah. work within this. well there's a freedom but you gotta validate it you gotta well, yeah. you gotta understand what you're doing yeah so learning un- and understanding that like what you make becomes part of the message that you're making and, sure. ho- and how you make it is part of that message as well mm-hmm. so there was no painting class at art at Cal- it's kind of branding to some yeah degree. it's crazy it scarred me. I was like shocked. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I print posters and I paint paintings. What's the point? I can just hit print on the printer and it's the same thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, to understand the technical, like, oh, okay, it's painted. Okay, it's printed. Like, who cares? You still get the same effect from it. Sure. Um, so they didn't teach me how to paint. They didn't teach me how to sculpt. They didn't teach me how to do anything. They have two weeks in between semesters called practicum, which is practical arts. And they teach you any skill you want, just for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if if you're like you are, that's all the time. You yeah, need, really. But like, it's, I learned sewing during one of them. I learned okay. how to make cost. I took costume design. Okay. And ah, you need more than two weeks <laughs> to learn how to sew and to hem and to cut a pattern. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. I'll take your word on that. One. <laughs> like, it took me two days to learn how to bo- how a bobbin works. A bobbin is like a part of like thread that you put in the sure, machine. Sure, it took sure. me two weeks, like two days to understand that. In two weeks, I didn't learn enough. Um, but I learned how my art is digested by the viewer. That's what they taught me. Looking back at it, they taught me everything you do oh, is digested a certain way. Yeah. And every part of it is important to be digested in the way you want it. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at it, you keep looking at your art as an artist, look at it, as, as an outsider or as a consumer not really I don't like the word consumer mm-hmm. I like the word outsider viewer. or viewer mm-hmm. but look at it as someone that's just walking up to it for the first time mm-hmm. and make that's sure that advice. every step and every part of it adds to the meaning or the message behind it 
So at CalArts, I took morons to CalArts. And for the first time, I made a gigantic cigarette packet. But so instead of printing it, instead of painting it, instead of anything, I made this humongous cigarette box that you 3D. could, yeah, out of wood, out of plywood. Wood. And painted it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you could lay down in it like a coffin. And to oh, me, that was, yeah, like, so it, beautiful. it, it knocked it home, you know what I mean? Yeah, it took yeah, the message yeah. even further. And I learned that at CalArts. Man, that's beautiful, man. That's smart. That's yes. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of uh, uh, your first show when you built that big electrical box and you had the people uh, they, you, they could put their heads through it too. You, you, you know, what yeah. I mean? and that, all these street artists tagged on it. If you didn't get the chance to ch- check out, check that out on yeah, teacher's but, page. Yeah, uh, his his uh, the philosophy of his art school was way above mine. Uh, going to Ringling School of Art and Design Interesting. in Florida. Um, they basically just, you know, they showed you how to draw. They showed you how to do it's everything that he actually <laughs> wanted. <laughs> That's what everything I wanted to do. I swear. <laughs> That's everything he wanted to do. I swear. We had, we switched places. But they didn't show us how to market ourselves. But they mine wasn't even, mine wasn't like, about marketing. Mine was about, if you do it, make sure it's, to its maximum cap- capacity and for the reason that you want it to be. That's part of marketing. That's but part of marketing. there was a class I never got to take. I'll explain a little in a little bit. It was called get your shit together, which was like marketing, accounting, dealing with galleries, dealing with this, all that stuff. But you took that as a, a what's the year before you graduate, junior? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you took that as a junior and I never got there. Okay. Because one night, I was in art school, one night, we I try and eat dinner with my family once a week, like the whole family, like my brothers, sisters, my dad, my mom. Nice. And one night we were eating dinner and we were arguing over who had a bigger impact on art and the Impressionists, oh, Monet or Van Gogh. Yeah. Or Interesting conversation <laughs> yeah. at the dinner table. Very artistic family, right? My dad, totally. I'm a huge Van Gogh fan and Monet fan. My dad likes a couple of other artists, and we were going back and forth. Awesome. We just got back from Amsterdam, man. Um, there's a couple good ones, though. My dad, like Degas, is like one of my dad's favorite. Um, That's a good one. Yeah. Um, and we are going back and forth, and I got a little disrespectful, which you should never get disrespectful to your parents, but I told my dad, what do you know? I go to art school. You never went to school. He never went to school. And he's like, okay, you're American. You went, you go to an art school, one of them. He goes, the best art schools are in Europe, and the best art school in the world is called École des Beaux-Arts de Paris. And I said, okay. I'm like, I bet you I can get into that. And he's like, I don't think you can. They don't really, you don't have the talent, you don't have the, the mindset to get into one of those schools. So he was mad, of course. <laughs> he was. I don't think he was mad. I think no, he was. He was playing a little trick on me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. So we shook. We made a little bet, a little wager at the table. Man, your and dad knows how to motivate you, man. <laughs> me and my dad. If you see a conversation between me and my dad, it can be like the most loving conversation, or literally two bulls having like a love passion. Yeah. That can be good. Yeah. So I went back to Cal Arts that Monday. It was a Friday night. I think we had that little wager, and on Monday I went to see the international whatever to study abroad and i told them look i want to study at this school and right away got the response that one's tough and i was like it's okay i'm like i speak fluent french so i already have one up on most people wow, applying there you go shit and i can draw and i learned how to oil paint before i came into art school i think i have a chance so they let me apply and they only let you apply for a single semester and I applied for a full year and they're like you're never going to get in you just threw away your shot and a few months later I get a big letter and it's like congratulations you're 
you've been accepted. You're one of three Americans to be accepted to wow. go to the school for a single year. Wow. So my dad literally, within seconds, I show him the letter. He's like, okay, okay, okay. My dad and my mom fill up a suitcase my suit with all my stuff. They say, we're going to buy a flight. You need to go. You'll figure it out when you get there. We know there's not money. We know there's no money. We know that you don't have like a, a stable understanding of what's going to happen when you get out there. But go and we'll figure it out. Wow. So I got on a plane. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and I traveled halfway across the world to study art in Paris. And it was the hardest year of my life, but the most amazing year of my life. Yeah. I lived in like a, a 10 by 10 room. My bed took up 80 or 90% of the room. And I could cook and open the fridge and do everything while laying down in bed. Like, that's how tiny this room is. Um, it's like a... I had a room like that in Spain. <laughs> yeah, so they called it Chambre de Bonne, like the maid's room. Like, every building on the top, top, it's top, a broom top closet. floor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and I had no heater in that room. So that being that there was no heater, I used to take day classes because that was a requirement, part of my getting into the school. And because they had the heaters on, and like they had like, what is it called when they give free food, um, complimentary snacks? Sure. And I didn't have money. Yeah. I was like, I'll take night classes, and I'll get, I'll have a heater for a longer amount of time, and I'll be able to eat whatever snacks are out there. And there's a vending machine, and it takes one euro for a hot cocoa and a Madeline. I'm chilling. Oh, man. That's awesome, man. So, man. That's dedication. It was really That's cool, the... and I took 90 units that year, but at that school. I learned everything technical you could learn about art in a single year. So that, they, they taught you how to paint there. <laughs> they taught me how to paint. They taught me how to sculpt. They taught me how to mold. They taught me how to cast. They taught me how to draw stills. They taught me how to draw live, live things. They taught me how to Photoshop. Everything. Everything. Photoshop. Like, everything. Too, huh? Everything. I took every class you could take. Like, I didn't want to go home. I was miserable at home. Sure. <laughs> so... Um, I took every class and I learned so much and I was looking back I'm like the happiest kid ever because I learned the conceptual side of art at CalArts and I learned the technical things yeah at Les Beaux-Arts de Paris and that route I think is the best for art yeah I don't think you should learn the technical before you learn the conceptual oh, I think you're absolutely right because if you understand the conceptual yeah. you can it'll really help you. yeah it'll help direct you and help you you nail the technical stuff and help you find what you really want to push yourself in. If you learn the technical stuff, I think you'll just do a bunch of really cool things that yeah, don't go anywhere. Yeah, you'd be like a dog chasing cars uh, around yeah. or a, or a you know, bird looking at shiny things. <clears throat> I think a lot of art, I mean, that's totally interesting, man. A lot of art these days, I mean, it's because it's like uh, customer driven, I think, a lot yeah. of times. I think, you know, average person, what do we say, buy two, two pieces of art, you know what I mean, right? So it's like, you know, a lot of people, they just want something cool. But like I said, the artists that really stand out to you for the long period of time, they do have a message. They do have a direction that their art is going, basically. And that that's why, you know, I was... It's all engineered together to work together like a finely tuned machine. Exactly. And so, yeah, it's funny because earlier he said, you said something about like scientists. Yeah. Like do things in a certain way. Exactly. They have to study the yeah, environment study first. study the environment mm-hmm. and then do it. A true artists... Are scientists yeah. yeah definitely true definitely. artists have cleaner studios than science scientists have labs yeah yeah because you want to make sure you can find every tool you want to be as efficient as possible 
you want to be able to get you want to be able for the viewer to understand directly what you're trying to say mm. and then you want to and on top of that not only do you want them to understand what you're trying to say you want to add layers of meaning as you go along so yeah that's deep man so it that's gets awesome. a little it gets yeah. a little crazy presentation as well i remember yeah. you telling me about one time i forget which i don't know if it's bum and poe or one of the uh the really nice galleries where you, know, you went in and once they noticed that you were taking notice of a, of a piece then they brought out a chair for you oh yeah all the leather lights the lights, like yeah. lowered yeah. down and all of a sudden all the only thing yeah. that was lit was the piece that yeah. you're looking at man that's a gallery that's, that's an experience that, yeah. and man. they brought me a glass of champagne and strawberries just and to look at just to look at it this painting because they thought i was going to buy it and that's how they're selling it to you they're trying to make sure that once you're hooked they get you yeah, yeah, and yeah. Everything is a part of that. It's a science. It's a way it works. It's a, it's Emotions. you you being in love with it, and you be, like, if you saw a beautiful woman or man, and all of a sudden everything around it went dark, and it was only mm-hmm. that person, mm-hmm. and then there was glasses of champagne handed Time's to you guys still. and strawberries. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's over. Yeah, yeah it's so, like a, a presentation yeah. altogether. It's like yeah. it's also yeah, like right? a, like it creates like this. Well, a feeling, yeah, right? A feeling. And, uh, 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 I don't know how to explain it. I'm not well, as an amateur, culmination. That's the culmination of the entire experience. You know, equation. Yeah. All pulled together. All the years of studying and everything, learning to to build what they're looking at and everything. I've and then not only do you have to have that, you know what I mean? You can have a, an amazing piece of artwork, but if it's not hung and lit well, that's correct. It's not going to come across as well. And you, you frame I mean? too, man. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes like a. A good frame I'm, changes you know, everything. Changes everything. It really does, man. But it's like if you if your iPhone came in a Ziploc bag, would you like it as much? What <laughs> <laughs> are those sandwich bags? <laughs> no, you're right because even the case, man. Everything's done. Everything's in a presentation. And it makes you enjoy the moment. Exactly. You're, you're enjoying the moment. So that's when I learned how to sculpt. I learned how to sculpt in Paris. Okay. And uh, I was doing street art in Paris. But all my street art was language-based. I had brought back morons. I had brought back lost values. I had brought... Sure. And no one understood it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to stand out. When you go to Paris, it's the most beautiful city in the world. Sure. Yeah. Every little thing of architecture, every little detail is studied. The city spends oh, so much money to keep the city beautiful and mm. authentic. And and I couldn't just put up posters. I was like, that's disrespectful. That's really disrespectful. There, there are people who tag on those <laughs> beautiful things, too. Yeah. You know, Napoleon Avenue, yeah. you'll see, like, a tag or something. But that's awesome, man. So, you, so I yeah, told myself... this kind of training and everything. Yeah, yeah, you it's like you can't... You, you can't you do know that. too much. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I invented the cement frame. It's like a little cement frame. And inside, I would put whatever poster I would normally put on the street. I put it inside this little cement frame. And I created street art galleries. There were like a bunch of little cement frames side by side. And I was trying to elevate street art. Street art is looked upon or graffiti is looked upon like... Uh, low no brow. One, yeah, low brow people are like, ew, it's gross. Oh, it's nasty. Oh, they ruin the streets. Well, they get oh. it, for one thing, they get it mixed up too. A lot of people yeah. think that street art is graffiti and graffiti is street art. And, and also just technically- random gang tagging is different too. Yeah. You know? yeah, exactly. But I, when you're, you know trying to bring in the element that I remember seeing all these pieces all over the place and I just remember thinking to myself man now this finally we get someone who's taking it to the next level 
you know what I mean? Because otherwise... I remember um, Banksy, when he first started, did a piece that, I mean, a lot of kind of something similar of, like, all these stencils, you know? So that is kind of like taking it to the next level. You're doing, like, cement frames, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, so the first first few times I did wooden frames, and I realized it cost me too much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you guys. And then um, knowing, learning how to cast and mold and do all of that, I said, I can make them out of cement. And the cement translates better to the street. It's a little bit yeah. less noticed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it matches the street. So it's, I'm learn, using what I learned in color. It's like the context of what I'm using has to be true mm. to where it's being put. Right. So the cement matches the street. It goes with the street. But the ornateness of it and the fanciness of it is higher and it's elevating it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, like mixing yeah. up all these little things. And I put them up all over the streets of Paris. And within a couple of days, I was on the cover of Le Parisien, which is like the New York Times. And I sent like a copy to my parents and everyone was like, whoa, this is crazy. And my dad said, the things that you put inside the frame are stupid. (laughs) Straight up. That's what he said. He said, you put morons and lost values. That's stupid. You're in Paris. They don't understand what you're saying. They think it's cute and pretty. You're like, you're lucky you got on the cover, but it's stupid. He's like, but the frame. Now that's art. (laughs) 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 He really could have said that a, a much more nurturing way. Oh, you know no. I mean? My dad is not nurturing. We were just talking about how frames are like a part of our chin. Now, I mean, that's such an because awesome it's way. Also, yeah, you're it's right. A, it's a concrete frame. Like, that's never been seen or never been done before. It was like, yeah. my dad's like, you've opened. He's like, everyone's doing stencils, posters, yeah. graffiti. Mm-hmm. You've opened up your own lane. And if yeah. street art dies tomorrow, that frame will... That's you're, yours. you're holding on to the tail end of street art, but you're in it because yeah. of that frame. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll never forget. I remember, I remember seeing them, and I just remember thinking, "No, this is something new. <laughs> this is absolutely something new, and it's it's solid." And you know, it's like one of those things where you're like, "Fuck, I should have <laughs> thought about that." First. <laughs> well, I, mean, I just would have had a little more time. I could have, you know, <laughs> this young motherfucker already figured it out. About. <laughs> Half my fucking age. <laughs> yeah, we're always thinking about different mediums on yeah. this, man. I was telling Teacha, there's this, uh, uh, you know, random artist. There's called uh, he t- turned me on one. It was called Classy Face. Uh, there's random spills on the street, right? You know, sometimes it's like a stain, and they'll turn these stains into faces. That's like it's cool, like a though. hair, yeah, yeah, you know. That's and funny. then that's <laughs> cute. exactly, there's something admirable. it's something yeah. new. You, you know, know what I mean? That's charm. what I'm saying. I, I they're, love they're, they're, they're trying to elevate something that was bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I love like these new mediums and creative additions to street art because it really questions like. What is street art? What yeah. was that stuff you sent me? Is like some kind of hair. <clears throat> okay, there's another one. <laughs> like you know, yarn bombing, right? We're talking about yarn bombing oh, yeah, a lot yeah. of times, right? So, um, uh, well, yeah, some some uh, another one. You know, they're just yarn bombing different things. But another one is like they took kelp, right, of different colors, <laughs> sea kelp of different colors, kelp, and they sewed it, sewed it together. Yeah, in a graffiti style bubble letters that says what. Okay, and then they post that in random areas. And That's cool, though. What I'm trying to say is like, hey, man, it's cool because it's like right now you think everything's been done. <laughs> There's always something else. And you're also but... challenging, like, hey, is this street art? Because this is like kind of graffiti, but it's from the sea. So is that even like, <laughs> you know, is that does even like rot? street? Huh? Does it rot? I don't know, man. I mean, I've only seen an Instagram picture. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, we should pull it up, but. Uh, but like I said, I don't oh, well, know. When we do the the video right now, you're looking at it, okay? This is what it looks like. Isn't that crazy looking? Crazy. 
crazy, right? Yeah, we'll do that. the video on there. We put the images and everything, you know what I mean? So, yeah, you check it out right now. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, man, that's awesome. So, that's cool. So, when did you come up with this? So, so now, and, now we're getting there. Yeah, we're okay. getting close. So I, make awesome. the, I make the cement concrete frames. I put them up all over the streets. And no one understands what's in them. And I finish school in Paris. And I'm on my way home. And I tell myself, I have to make my own language. And for a long time, I was going to be a retina and create, like, hieroglyphics. Like calligraphy. Yeah. And have my website have the code to decode it so mm-hmm. everyone could decode That's it. interesting. And it got very complicated because a way a word is spelled in English isn't necessarily the way it's spelled oh, in God, all different languages. Yeah, and all oh, of that. Yeah. No, no, no. I know. So I was like, I got to find a better way. See, this guy's already thinking international. Oh, right? yeah. yeah that's what I'm going to say. Most people are not thinking oh, yeah. this far in ahead. Uh, yeah, because you know? I, I was in Paris and I was coming yeah. home when my idea was like, if I want everyone to be able to understand it. Art is about unity. It's about love. Sure. If someone is left out, then you're segregating. Yeah. So I tried to make it. I'm like, okay, I need to make something universal. And I don't know if you guys know who Norman Rockwell is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I always, yeah. Anyways, yeah, definitely. Okay. One of, I think one of the greatest American painters of all time. Super sure. underrated because he did all that work for the post. But now he's starting to get his shine, even though he's long past. And, but you can see a whole entire story, narrative, emotion, and feeling from a single frame that he paints. Like, he doesn't yeah. need a cartoon. He doesn't need a movie. He doesn't need, he needs a single frame. Yeah. And he tells you a whole entire story yeah. and I told myself I need to do that with a message mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I started to draw like hundreds of different kinds of characters and I had like people helping me and I had everyone trying to help me come up with a character I'm not afraid to ask for help that's like a thing that I do people that's think I'm smart, crazy man. but I'm not afraid to ask people and one day I, I was like I had a couple sketches and I was like I don't know if I found it yet every time I draw something it leaves someone out like, if it has hair, it's not curly, then, oh, curly people are left out. Oh, it has not this kind of nose, it leaves that person out. Oh, mm-hmm. these kind of eyes, and whatever. And I was in an airport, and I had to go to the restroom, and I was... It's always on my mind drawing this character. And I'm like, okay. And I see the symbol for the bathroom, and I go to the bathroom, and I look in the bathroom or at this airport, and there's hundreds of different kinds of people in the bathroom. And I'm like, how the fuck did everyone get to this bathroom? Yeah. Like, if you don't read restroom or bathroom, how do you know that it's there? Yeah. And it's because of the symbol. Yeah, yeah. So I told myself, that's my character. I need to give that symbol a little bit of a soul and love, and it'll be my character. Interesting, man. So I literally took the bathroom symbol, and my, one of my favorite, everyone's favorite cartoon is Mickey Mouse. So I gave it the Mickey Mouse hands, but mm-hmm. I took off the glove part on the wrist because I don't Disney like the wrist. Because Disney will slap a lawsuit on you. No, I wasn't even thinking about that, but I just didn't like the glove look. I wanted more feet yeah, look. Yeah, and yeah. then I love the Pink Panther growing up. And ah. the Pink Panther has like a certain flow and yes. slapstick yeah. feeling yeah, to yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah. So I gave it that kind of flow. And I kept See, putting uh, in characters I that I love. That. like totally. A little bit of Keith Haring, a little bit of, you know, the things that I love. And I created my own character. Awesome. But using the the bathroom symbol as the basis, because everyone understands and can see themselves in the bathroom symbol. There's a word oh. for that. Um, I lost it, but made a generic, basically a generic form for a being. Yeah, but you can see yourself in it. 
you can relate to it yeah because you've related to the bathroom symbol so many times exactly <laughs> that's uh, awesome man i love that origin story <laughs> so man. that's how you came up with that so that's how i came up with the character you're in the guy's bathroom right yeah now they have the transgender ones man we, you gotta yeah. you gotta build a new character yeah. man <laughs> 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 i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding but, and half the, yeah. the half skirt one yeah. <laughs> but it has no sex and it has no sex i always say if imaginary friend is the name of the character it has no sex but a lot of people think it's male and that's also because of our way of seeing the bathroom symbol sure. we see the one without a skirt as what a, was the name of the character if if, if. it okay. stands for imaginary friend ah okay okay ah, okay cool. um interesting man that's awesome thanks now, you know what that to me it like just that story brings so much more meaning like i already knew i liked the you know if basically you know what i mean but now hearing the story man it just gives me a lot of background information and like understanding of uh where it came from man and yeah. man now i gotta take a and you do so many you do sculptures you do stencils of if yeah. you know, you know what it, one of the things that, that i'm realizing more uh now that i'm looking at all these i'm in his studio and i'm looking at some 3d images of his character and I'm realizing one of the things that, that is engineered about it, the reason why it is so appealing, is it's the, the size and the shape of the eyes and it's, yeah, and the, and the mouth. You know what I mean? It's all these things engineered, put together. If it was anything different, it would not have the same attraction to it. So, like, well, yeah, like he said, when I first started drawing If and creating it and making it art, I, I told myself it either has to have only eyes or only a mouth. Because you don't need both to get a full understanding or expression. Mm. And then little by little, I've, I've cheated that now that you, can, you see both. But in the beginning, I trained myself that you could use only the eyes to tell the full story. Totally. Man, and you know what? We're, it's coming up. Uh, we're actually already past an hour, but I well, want to okay. keep on keep going. going. Keep going. I want to ask a few more questions. This is uh, like a, less, a lesson. I mean, yeah, no, exactly. When, when we advertise this podcast, you're going to be able to tell people, you're going to be learning things. On exactly, this. man. Thank and you one of the things I, I, I got it, I saw on Instagram, uh, uh, you're friends with G Easy, man. Yeah. And he just got this tattered on his chest, man. That's, yeah. that's iconic, that's man. That's awesome, yeah. You, you know, I mean, G Easy, I've seen him perform. One time I was uh, invited to uh, Logic, was uh, G, Logic, Logic and G Easy yeah. at the Palladium or something like that. And, you know, I went to see Logic, you know what I mean? And then, like, but G Easy had a great performance, man. He he definitely won me over live. So I'm just saying, I'm, yeah. you know, I, I think his music's pretty cool and uh, it's cool. He has, how did that come about, man? How'd you so, meet him? Yeah. It's somewhere down the line, but... Okay, okay, my bad. I don't mean to jump You want to know how I got to sculpture? You want to know that one first? Whatever, whatever okay. you love, they want so, to tell, man. We got time, man. So, how you came to the engineering. Yeah. So, um, so now that I create the character, I want to put it all over the streets because I have that little bit of a, an addiction. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad loved the cement frame so can much. It can be used to yeah. good things. Yeah. It can be used to your advantage. And my dad liked the cement frame so much, and I love the cement frame so much, that I told myself, I'm never going to paint the character. That was my, my, one of my, rule, my early on rules. Everything's going to be relief sculpture based, like the Greeks did, and the Romans. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind that was that it's a very stark contrast between the technique, which is super ancient and rarely seen nowadays, mm -hmm. and the modern stylization of my character and the messages in my bo my my reliefs it's a nice combination so that combination by itself to me meant 
that I was going to be a classic forever. To me, mixing something old the correct way and something new the correct way makes it a classic. Totally. Like your modern royalty one, man. Yeah, not really. <laughs> that one was a no, little well, bit of a miss. It helps to transcend. Yeah, it helps to transcend. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, 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 yeah, when you see it later, when you see it now, when you see it whenever, you feel like it's new, you feel like it's old, you, you get kind sure. of lost in it. Yep. So I made those cement reliefs with cement frames and I put them up in 12 cities all around the world. I took, okay. I had a little bit of savings. I've been working and I took my money. I bought a couple of GoPros, put one on my chest, one on my head and a scorpion tail, which is very rare. A lot of people don't know what that is. And like, it's like a tail that imagine. comes up and over your back and yeah. films from a different point of view. Like oh, someone's wow. standing above you. And I traveled the world with those, with those GoPros and my, my reliefs. And I put them up in every city I could think of. Sleeping on couches, sleeping on people's floors. Had no money. I really had no money. Um, I remember I, like, I got to New York. I called one of my good friends, Mendel Valenzi. Shout out. Thank you, yeah. Mendel. And his roommate, Shragi. And I was like, yo, guys, I'm in New York. I just landed. Can I stay at your place for a few days and make a mess? And their answer was like, okay, yeah, a few days. Like, what, two or three? I'm like, yeah, like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how it goes. It's yeah. okay. And they emptied out their pantry and put a mattress on the floor. And I slept <laughs> in the pantry. <laughs> And I put them up all around New York with a shopping cart. And then I packed up my bags and went to the next city. But like I did that for almost a year and a half, filming everything, filling up hard drives, putting the hard drives in the mail, sending them to Kim or KDNA. And she would edit them and I would post them on the internet. I was doing that for like a year, year and a half. Nice. Any problem with the law during this? Oh, yeah, a lot. Many, many, <laughs> choose a city, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, well, Wait, no, no, I, remember, I remember at one point seeing uh, you, would, uh, you would put a piece up and then it was gone, but then you had actually got it right next to it. Yeah, so I was, that's in Paris. <laughs> so I was in Paris, and I've, that was me graduating from the simple little reliefs that were in the cement frames, and I was making bigger ones. I make, sometimes I make eight-foot reliefs. And um, I put up an eight-foot relief in Paris, and I got caught putting up the heart. Now, anyone understands reliefs or cement, because I make everything out of concrete, it's really heavy. Yeah. So for, the, for it to set, you, you need hold to it. hold it, <laughs> which leaves you like a sitting duck. Literally, you get caught red-handed every time. Yeah. Um, so I was holding one up in, at Place de Picasso, which is like Picasso's quarter, I guess. And... Couple cops roll by and they're like, "Oh, we got one," and they're like, "What are you doing?" And right away, since I can understand what they're saying, I knew that I had to be American, and I didn't speak a word of French. Ah. <laughs> so I was like, "Yo, sorry, I'm from New York. We do this all the time. This is cool." And he's like, "Oh no!" He starts yelling at me in French. This is illegal. This is crazy. Take it off. But say now it in I'm... French, man. So we... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't remember. I can say it in French enough. No, I'm just, I'm understand. Just... Um, <laughs> But he's yelling at me and take it off. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm from United States. He's like, and he goes, hotel, where is your hotel? Ooh. And I was like, oh, bro, I don't know. You know, love. Uh, um, yeah. And he goes, what? <laughs> yeah, La the hotel plaza uh, Eiffel Tower. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know the name really, man. I'm not from here. <laughs> We played the dumb American disguise. Stupid dumb. Like, he's like, he goes, and he goes, this, very bad. And I'm like, 
Oh, in New York, this is cool, man. They love this in New York. <laughs> <laughs> you turn on the ebonics for him, basically. You're like, <laughs> like, this is super What's up, cool. man? <laughs> and, what are you talking uh, about? <laughs> and he's like, take down. So I start to take it down. And I put it on the floor. And there's four cops, and they're, you can tell they're a little drunk, they're a little tipsy. They're talking about going to the bar and everything. Drunk cops in France. This is yeah. France, right? Yeah. Man. Oh my God. Uh, and they, they start, can appreciate the money, too. <laughs> and they start stomping on the relief <laughs> with the boots, and it, like, explodes. Oh. It's all cement, and it explodes. And I was like, okay, okay. And I remember it in my head, like, okay. Were they like, oh, oh, oh. They were just like, oh, and they got back in the car, and they dipped off, and now everything's broken. He's like, clean up and go home. And I cleaned everything up, threw it all away. And I told myself, fuck these dudes. I have another one. I'm going to come back in three hours. And I came back three hours later and did it again. Man. Right next to the marks of the original one. Okay. Yeah, Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Shot, you can see the original one where they had taken it off. And he made sure not to go over that one right next, next to it. It's it like, like a partial, basically. Yeah, it was like you a fuck f- with me. I want to <laughs> fuck you back. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, he's putting up something nice. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, man. I mean, at so the end of the day, cool. I think... You know, but you what, know what? I just want to make a point something out right quick. You know, even though you're putting up something nice, doesn't mean people like it. it yeah, and everyone's gonna get away with it. And everyone has their own opinion. So yeah. what we might think is nice, or what I might think is nice, might be hideous to the person standing next to me. Um, but at, that being said, I love what I do, and I'm not afraid to Your upset certain nice. people. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, no, but you know what though? This is something I actually want to if talk someone about. Someone gets upset by this, they need to go see a therapist. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. This is like, some people, you know, they're like taggers and they're like, oh, we're doing art, man. Like, you know, (laughs) you know, right. But this is clearly like high end art takes a lot of skill and craftsmanship. You you know what I mean? But um, this is one of the things actually, I feel like 10 years ago when the street art scene first started, it was so much about, or not just, just started being really, really popular. People took vandalism, like a lot of more pride in vandalism. Uh, nowadays, there's a lot more discussion, I think, about, hey, is that a good enough piece to be up there on that public wall, too? I feel like... Yeah, that, that, right, that's happening kind of changed, a lot more. Right? A People got more, more uh, critical. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, they, I think Instagram <laughs> helped with that because everyone was trying to become Instagram famous or use street art to be like, oh, I'm a cool street artist, follow me. And yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. were like, yo, your shit's trash. Yeah. <laughs> That's our, yeah, that's true. And I'm saying like ten years ago when Instagram was just starting, everybody was just getting up. There was no Instagram. And I, I'm not no. saying I'm not saying that someone whose stuff isn't good right now is not good. I'm saying you might get better, but you should never think like looking back at morons, looking back at the stuff I did in the beginning. Like I said, it's not as well done or well put together as I am today. We always grow. Uh, as yeah, artists, we grow. Right? Mm-hmm. So even if I even if someone thinks your stuff isn't great right now, that shouldn't be like oh I should quit. No, keep doing it. But aims to get better. You shouldn't just settle with what you're doing. Exactly, yeah. because a lot of times what happens in the, in the graffiti or street art businesses, you know, people are known for one image, you know, and they put that same image up all over the fucking place. And then there's never any, you know, they never change it. It's just the same fucking thing over and over again. So, They're literally a one-trick pony, man. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> Seriously. That, it's like, so that's how I started to feel. Yeah. So I did the character, and I, my mm-hmm. most famous character to this day is love versus money. Beautiful, beautiful. Explain that one. So Love vs. Money is if he's caught between a love balloon, a heart-shaped balloon, pulling him up, Mm -hmm. and a money bag holding him down. (laughs) And I think that's a struggle that a lot of people and a lot of anyone can understand just by the the symbolism. Yeah. It's very easy to read and uh, like digest, but also everyone faces that in their life. 
Like totally. me wanting to be an artist, that's a scary thing because financially there's nothing holding me down. There's nothing there. Am I going to follow the, the heart up or am I going to stay with the money down? Or, or for other people, it's, do I stay at work longer and get this money and be more secure? Or do I float off and go be with the people I love and not get paid as much as I want to be paid? Or Everyone can read it in their own yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But that became like my number one hit. Or you can read it as what I thought it was. It's just like, hey, if you want love, you better have a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's certain types of love. <laughs> Sorry, folks, we were just in Amsterdam, so you can understand. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm a little bit confused. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm just saying that you can read it in so many different yeah, ways. That's, you kind of see what I'm saying. So like, that became like my most popular thing. So for a lot of for a minute, every commission, every mural, everybody was like, yo, love versus money. Where's the love versus money? And I was like, oh, I'm not doing it. What do you mean? Oh, no, then I don't want your work. Oh, and I, yeah. And I, was, oh. and I was okay saying no a bunch of times mm-hmm. and letting the messages and the character develop until people fell back in love with it. Sure. But, yeah, so I did the reliefs. And then once I did the reliefs, I had already been working with galleries. Sorry, guys. I started working with galleries when I was 16. It's hard to be an artist. It costs a lot of money. You need a little bit of money. That's how I've saved up money to go around the world. I had 10 grand, so a couple paintings, more than a couple at the time. Yeah, they but were, you've taken some massive risks and you've put, yeah, put, put in all my money. Time. Yeah, and uh, I wasn't afraid to do it, but one of the galleries I worked with after I'd done this little world tour and literally spent every dime I had told me, we'd like to put on one of your solo shows. The dates will be during Art Basel. It won't be at Art Basel or any of the fairs. It'll be in our gallery. But we usually get pretty decent traffic. We'd love for you to... We'd love for you to put together a little show. So I texted the gallerist. I remember, I'll never forget. How many pieces do you want? His answer was, surprise me. I was like, okay. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, and... And I had never been in his... He had opened a new location. I'd known him before in his old location. He's like, it's a new location. It's bigger. I didn't know what to send or how many pieces to send or whatever. So I started to do what I usually did. Like, I was trained. You're going to sell something painted in oil. So I literally started to paint the character, which is very simple. It's like a thin little line and a background in oil. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the ugliest art i have ever seen in my entire life the cal arts bug hit me why are you gonna paint this if it's so flat and so simple what's the point just print it out on a printer and whatever fuck it Mm. and i was like no i can't paint it i'm like and i love the cement i love concrete i love cement and i literally spent like two months studying concrete all over again and i displayed a fully concrete exhibit called Modern Relics. Everything was made out of concrete. Oh my god! Wow. And every where was this show at Art Basel? Yeah, around Miami. Art Basel. Yeah, okay. it was close to Art Basel sure. in the design district, and it was about learning how to make it light enough and shippable and still beautiful and have depth and and all of that. About about twenty two or twenty three, I don't remember. I can look at the catalog, but the thing that really pushed me to do this was I had just done a little world tour with my little reliefs and put them up all over the streets and all these big cities and everywhere. And I kept finding on eBay people breaking them off the street, gluing them back together and selling them for like two grand and I was pissed. 
And I told myself, if you guys really want the stuff in the street, I'll curate it and make it in the studio as if it was stolen from the street and put it on your wall. <laughs> like, fuck everyone. <laughs> I'm not letting you take away my power. So it's if you look at like the painting behind you, it's literally all concrete. It's a relief. And it looks like it's been broken out of a wall. Man. From that concept. Awesome, man. That's awesome, man. And it kind of like, it, it gives it like a... I don't know, like a cave painting or, or some sort yeah, of like it, type of feeling. Basically, like, it looks like um, you you walk up to a uh, a wall that's been maybe damaged a little bit, and you took a, a circular saw out with a concrete blade and cut part of it out and ripped the rest of it out, and uh, it looks very authentic, man. How heavy is that? It's about 150 pounds. Man, it's that's not bad. That's shipping. not bad though, because if you ship an oil painting with a wooden frame. Oh, yeah. It's 150 pounds. Yeah. So I had to study that, too. But yeah. that was my first show. And the craziest thing about this show is I had no money. So install was done by me. Unpacking the crates were done by me. Oh, God. So I get to Miami. That's where you got the, all the <laughs> muscles in our arms. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. And also carrying cement bags all day. <laughs> the, oh, yeah. 50 pounds. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I get to Miami and we're unpacking these crates. And I look like the dude that the gallery hired to install and we're we're hanging one up and someone walks in he's like oh is that for sale i'll buy it first sale we didn't even hang a painting up yet second one same thing and as we hung the show like three days before art basel the show sold out (laughs) (laughs) awesome congratulations so it was a really cool feeling but that was Everything I had done up until that time, studying at CalArts, understanding how the mechanism of... You trying to sell street art? Why are you trying to sell me a canvas? Sell me a piece of the street. Yeah. Boom. That's CalArts. You you need to learn how to mold and sculpt and make a relief? That's Le Beaux-Arts de Paris. You need to put in the dedicated hours? That's my dad telling me, if you want to do this, you need to put in the hours. You need to really learn how to work. And I learned how to work. So everything came together for that first little... It was little, too. It felt tiny, the show. Mm-hmm. And once that started happening, you make a little bit of money. Most people, what do they do? Buy a chain nowadays, some nice clothes. Some drugs, some whatever. Yeah, whatever. I don't know, man. <laughs> um, but I was a straight edge. And I still am a straight edge. And I didn't know how to spend the money other than put it back into what I do. Mm. And the reason I'm a straight edge is when you want to be an artist and there's if you go on Instagram you type in the word art there's 15 million people that want to be artists yeah. more maybe I don't know yeah yeah right and not including all the bots man yeah <laughs> like how many people want to be an artist in, on this planet more and more this day than ever before okay so if you want to get a little advantage on them on anyone you need to put in the work and the time that yeah. they're not willing to put in exactly so a famous story I don't know if you guys know who Eddie Van Halen is yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I heard this story a million times from my dad. He used to tell me, you know what Eddie Van Halen's band is named after the lead guitarist? He's like, name me another band that the band is named after the lead guitarist. <laughs> there isn't, I can't think of a single band. No, there's not. Usually no. it's a... There's no band called Lemmy. So. There's, there's no band called Slash, and Slash no. is one of the or greatest Paige. guitarists of all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, and the reason it's called Eddie Van Halen is because they were a band, and they would practice. And when practice was done, everyone would get ready to go out and Eddie would be playing the guitar. Yeah. 
Everyone would go out, Eddie would be playing the guitar. Everyone would come home from going out, still. he'd be still playing the guitar. Everyone would go to bed, he'd be playing the guitar. Everyone would wake up, he'd be up playing the guitar. And that's what made the band called Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> so if you want to be the Van Halen of your field, any field that is, like it could be anything, it could be science, music, whatever, you need to put in the work like Eddie Van Halen. And not just the 10,000 hours that they the, talk about. No, way more. I love it. <laughs> I love it because teachers, we were talking about 10,000 hour rule, right, while mm-hmm. we were traveling to Amsterdam. And he, I was like, so how many of these, how, he was showing me this extensive stencil of John Lennon and uh, uh, his first wife Cynthia that he cut with all this grass blades and everything like this so I was just like man how long did this take you man how long was it again 10 hours 10 hours that's okay. crazy <laughs> right? that's a whole Sunday yeah that's a whole, a whole day Sunday right yeah. he does it no the worst thing is that he does it in the middle of the night man when nobody's yeah. sleeping this, how, this, this guy's psycho like that you know, you know what I mean if you it's a, it's <laughs> once a, you start this technique and it's that detailed of a thing you have to go through with <clears> it and then so, so I was like how many stencils do you have? A lot. Okay, so we can actually count how many hours you've been cutting yeah. stencils, you know? And he was like, it's way more than 10,000 hours, man. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So, but my right. artistic experience, like since art school, you know, back when I was 18, 19 years old, up until now, is, you know, 40, 50,000 hours. That's, plus. But that's what it takes. Yeah. And it, people think 10,000 hours, okay, 10,000 hours means you're technically good at it. You can do it. Right, right. You got to change. Doesn't doesn't mean you're recognized. Doesn't mean people Mm -hmm. like what you do. It just means that you're good at it. It means (laughs) you can get hired to do that job. Yeah. Doesn't mean you could could do it. You're not the boss. It's almost the same as professional athletes these days. Of course. Man, you have got to be a freak of nature as well as being a neurotic, compulsive, obsessive. And, And competitive, but deep inside to the point where... If you find out your teammate's waking up at 6 a.m. to go to the gym, you'll be there at 5.30 Five, yeah. to say, fuck you. <laughs> that's what it takes. That is exactly what exactly, it takes. Exactly, man. That, and that, let me tell you, that's the next level. You always hear stories about Kobe, Jordan, you, you know what I mean? Like doing like just, you know. That didn't happen with luck or just because they no, were kind of good and naturally. It, it's, <laughs> I, my dad and my mom and everyone around me always told me people with talent never <clears throat> make it. Because people who are talented don't put in the work that they need to put in mm, to be good at it. That's, that's true. right. So, I like to tell myself, I'm not talented. Okay. And I'm not. Like, if you if you put my skills up against, like, my little brother, my brother could draw circles around me for days. Is he an artist? Yeah. He's an artist as yeah, well. Yeah, okay, he was interesting. A, but he can draw around me for days. Mm-hmm. You, you can take off your shoe and ask him, hey, can you draw my foot? He'll draw your foot and he'll be like, fuck, it's a photo. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, getting back to the Cal Arts thing, you might as well have a photo, right? Yeah, but but he like that's what I'm trying to tell you. Like he put in the hours to draw, mm-hmm. and he kind of like sometimes uses that as a cr- it's a crutch to him. Like Is yeah, he... fuck you. Like I can draw that. I don't need I don't need to work on it right now. Are you guys competitive? I mean, no, we help each other out. Okay, okay, can. that's that's awesome, man. That's awesome because yeah. you know sometimes competitiveness can be a good thing. Like I said, it pushes you to. You know, yeah, like as an said, artist, you want something. That yeah, you man. Want an easy life. An easy like, life yeah. makes an artist into a piece of crap. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, like one of my buddies that um, I taught him how to produce. He just released a dope ass song, and I'm just like, oh man, I got to get back in the studio. That's now. Awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> because it's like it's not even like, hey, I'm not happy for him. It's just like, oh, you got that? All right, I'll show you what yeah. I got too. You, you, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and I have that sickness. Like, I'm not gonna lie. At one point, Teach was getting up in LA way more than me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. <laughs> and I was like, well, fuck him, bro. I can do that too. <laughs> that man you know, because 
you know what the, I love though? There's nobody telling you saying, hey, at a job, you have a boss like breathing down your back saying, hey, do your job. Whip, yeah. whip, whip. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? But I love that the best artists, man, they just have something inside them. It's like you have to do it, man. Yeah, like, it's, you, it's, it's, it's simple. You don't think you're the best until you put in the work and the hard, the hard hours, like the sleepless nights, the no going out, the no having friends, the no going to birthday dinners, the no going to friends' weddings, the no missing sweet 16s. Like, I don't have any friends. Like, you, I don't know if I had to pick up a phone and call someone from high school if they'd even answer the phone call. I'm yeah. not lying to you. Like, no, dude, when you're that I have busy. no, fr- I have zero friends from two years of college. I went to college for two years and I dropped out. I had money problems. I didn't, couldn't afford it. I don't have a single person I can call. Like that's yeah, those weren't that, friends that, though. That's depressing on the on the real. Like, True. there's no one to call. But Absolutely, that's dude. the sacrifice it took to be able to have a studio, to be able to be able to do what I want. And now the people who I consider my friends are the people who I've hired to work with me. Like, those are my best friends. If I go to jail or if I get caught in a tricky situation, I know I can trust them. I know I can believe in them. Those are my true best friends. But it takes sacrificing everything to be able to do that. Yeah, and also earlier you're talking about... um, This is one of the things I I think about as an artist. Earlier you're talking about not having family because even though you you actually want a family, that's like another sacrifice actually to... For me personally, I'm just saying. Like I always think, it's like I would. Oh, dude, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard, dude. Like I'm, I get interrupted all the time. That's for those of you out there that don't know. I'm a bit inconsistent on on Instagram, and that's because sometimes I'll be right in the middle. I suck at writing, so it's hard for me to write, you know. And then I'll be right in the middle of trying to write, and then all of a sudden here comes one of my twins, you know, or the wife with some we need to work on with one of the houses or something like that. And so I'm I'm interrupted. So the only time I really have that I don't I'm not interrupted is at night. <clears throat> Sometimes I'll have a day where I have you know some open yeah. time or whatever. Sometimes I'm running all over the place. But um, you know you you really have to. It's a balance, you have man. To yeah. have a balance. So, you know, I'm always yeah, I'm always exactly. very like so, amazed at what he uh, teach has a. Full on family. I don't sleep sometimes. <laughs> you know, yeah. helps his life on movies. Exactly. But that's what it takes. So, and I don't have that many friends either. So it, to, to, I don't. Yeah, to want to be the best, you have to sacrifice everything. So Definitely. once once you've sacrificed a lot, you kind of start to believe you're the best. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you start, like I'm the, I'm the I'm the best in L.A. or I'm the best in whatever sure. or I'm the best in the United States or the best I'm in the what best. You can be, yeah. Basically. Yeah. Or okay. what or the field that you're in. Mm-hmm. So I like to say like, hey, I'm the only artist working with cement. So I'm yeah. the best at cement. Whatever. I'm just, <laughs> like I'm just playing games. Absolutely. But, no, no, so, I, I, so once you start to think yeah. you're the best, mm-hmm. you want to stay the best. And to stay the best, it takes the same amount of hours it oh, took you to believe that you were the best to stay the best. Yeah. Because someone else is watching you mm-hmm. and saying, oh, fuck him. I could do that too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I saw a teacher going up in the streets. I was like, fuck him. I could do that. <laughs> and, yeah, at the end of the day, man, I, I think that's a... It, it's it's the competitiveness, it's man. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And dude, first of all, it's awesome that I, and I agree. There's nobody else working with concrete, man. Then you're the best. Concrete. <laughs> <laughs> by, not the way, by, by default, default man. Not the way that he is doing it. Um, that is, uh, you know, like I said, when I'll never forget when I first saw those pieces coming out. You know, all those years ago, I was like, this is this is next level stuff right here. And then since then, a lot of people have been in my concepts or my style, and you know, what? thank you, I appreciate that, but. Because I have an advantage on you, I started way before you did. I also have way more ideas, and I also know how the material works, and I also know 
how to take it to the next level, which is going to take you two or three years to get there. So fuck <laughs> and, you. And, I love and, and the dude has got <coughs> drive for days. So good luck catching up to him. He's already way ahead of you, and he's going faster. So, you know, to catch up with that, <laughs> good so, luck. So that, so that being said, like, I mean, and also it's like, hey, yeah. man, you got one of the most popular rappers right now tatting on his yeah, chest. Like, you got to get to that I, part, I have a lot too. of cool stuff. So, yeah. so I do all this stuff. I became kind of well-known for the cement. Sure, yeah. The character. You got your Instagram verification. <laughs> yeah, the, the, char- the characters are well-known. And I've known G now for eight years. So okay. I knew G before G was. Sure, yeah, yeah, I knew yeah, G yeah. when he was Gerald. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't and, out him, man. He's yeah. Gerald Easy. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I'm just that kidding. Makes I'm just kidding. More understanding why and even more meaningful than he so, got. So yeah, as he got more and more popular, he would always tell me like, "Yo, that message is my life. Like, I want to be with my mom. She's getting older. I want to be with the girl I'm in love with. I don't have time. I'm always on tour. Like, the this money is important. Like, it's what got my family to be safe and comfortable. But I want to, I want to do the things I love. I want to be with the people I love. He's like, being on tour. I love being on tour. I love being in the studio. But I also love like hanging out with my friends and rapping r- rapping like I used to or writing music like I used to this message is super meaningful to me and one day I'm in I'm in Atlanta painting a mural and like it's late in Atlanta it's like one or two o'clock in the morning I get a call from him he's like yo can you give my tattoo artist I don't want to say his name wrong so I'm not going to say it mm-hmm. um permission to tat your work he won't do it without your permission that's a cool Cool tattoo artist. Yeah. So um, I was like, yeah, you have my permission to tap my design. And I was like, by any chance, do you need an illustrator or JPEG of it so you do it right? He's like, oh, yeah, I'd love that. Make my life way easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So he passes the phone back to Gene. He's like, yeah, can you send over Love versus Money? And I was like, wow. He's like, I might get it tonight. And he didn't tell me he was. He didn't tell me if it was going to happen. He didn't tell me the whole thing. And I wake up in the morning and he sent me a bunch of photos. He's like, this message spoke to me so much. It'll be a part of me until I die. That's awesome, man. That's beautiful, man. Damn, man. So I feel good about that, man. You know what? But but that's not, but you guys are like putting like, it's G-E-Z-G-E-Z. Like, like this, like the message helps a lot of people and a lot of people have gotten it tattooed. I'm not trying to like say anything like Everyone who's gotten it tattooed, I'm equally as honored as I was when G got it. Jeez, man. I mean, like, I don't want to say, like, G-E-Z, I'm more honored because G-E-Z got it. No, I'm honored by every single person that said, this means a lot to me. Let me put it on my body. Let me see it every day. So I thank you to all of you guys that have done it. But everyone's equal when it comes to that. But it's awesome to, like, have that happen. Like, every time it happens, I'm like, oh, my God. And I screenshot it and I send it to all my friends and friends, (laughs) the people that work with me. (laughs) So they could see. And, uh, that's yeah. neuroplasticity in its best, right there. You know what I mean. Yeah. And as far as Jeezy goes, I'd be like, dude, you got button-down shirts. You can keep open. <laughs> <laughs> Let me send you a bunch of button-down t-shirts so you can, uh, you know. It's right under his heart, so that's it's awesome, a little bit man. off the side, but. Um, but man, man, that's like kind of like the new like that's like the equivalent of like you signing somebody's like uh, you know arm and then getting yeah. it tattooed, man. But it's uh, you know it's actually this like, is even cooler because yeah. it's ten the, times cooler. This doesn't have my name on it, so they yep. can like live without it's without a message. It's, it's not. I'm not branding them. I'm. They're living with the idea of the concept behind it, and it really affected them. So they want to remember that 
that moment that they had with that image for the rest of their lives. So it really, every time I see it happen, I'm like, wow. Jeez, man. Like I get taken back every time. Yeah, I'm getting chills whenever you just talk about it, man. Because, mm. like, honestly, it's such a good message. And just, honestly, I didn't, I didn't know the names of the pieces. I just always enjoyed the characters and yeah. things like that. So now you explaining about it, it brings so much more to the art, man. I think that's a pretty good way for us to... To kind of wrap it all up because we've gone well over an hour, man. But I mean, we, need, we, we, we needed to go through the whole story. We've got an hour and a half at least. This type of uh, if you want to keep going, we can to give the information that he's given. We can keep going if you. Well, we'd love to have you on again. I think you that, want, that, whatever that, you yeah. want. I think I think we'd love to have we you. We were talking about this earlier, and um, you know, we we've uh, we're up to thirty episodes now. That's awesome. And that's basically when about uh, when Joe Rogan started having like repeat. Um, people, yeah. are, you know, and we're starting to think about people that we like to Regulars. have back on again. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Regular, Without right? a doubt. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. I'm on again. Yeah. And, uh, and in the future, you know, so basically, while as I'm well here, as well as get like feedback, you know, yeah. on different artists and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like wait, 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 before we leave, like top three favorite artists for both of you, for uh, like visual art, visual artists. Oh, okay. Well, you can go first. I, I'm, I'm thinking. Well, in my I mind. mean, from the beginning, um, it was Toulouse Lautrec, like his drawing hand style, okay. Gustav Klimt's decoration and everything, and Rembrandt's light it's technique or yeah. style lighting. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, my personal, I mean, I'm a big uh, Salvador Dali guy. I went to the okay. St. Petersburg, uh, Florida Museum, and I have my mind blown, man. I mean, growing up, we just know about the clocks the melting yeah. clocks you know what i mean but then i go inside i'm just like man this, the pixelated abraham lincoln with a girl or whatever i was just like <laughs> way ahead of time yeah exactly How i you mean decide when you're done you know, yeah. you know it's I'll like put another little guy over here that's doing something else and he'll have another little guy next to him doing something else and yeah. then you know he, he's known for all these like weird abstract paintings and then the motherfucker draws the best cabbage in the fucking world <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what i mean have so, you seen his rhino sculpture uh I think I, he did. He did. Is that at the museum? I'm sure. That's I don't know. Musée d'Orsay in Paris. They have a humongous bronze of a rhino. Mm. It's like perfect, <laughs> and it's Dolly. And you're like, wait a second, this is hyper realistic. This is weird. I know, right? No one would even expect that yeah. from him. I love the ass. It's him, a rhino. You know, do you do drugs? He's like, I don't do drugs. Right, I you're, am you're drugs. Top three. My top three: Monet, nice, um, Solo Wheat. Contemporary artist, mm. he believed that he didn't have to touch any of his work; that it's all from the mind. So one of his exhibits was like he had a huge wall. He said, "Draw on the wall," and everyone there was colored pencils everywhere, and they just drew on the wall, and that was his artwork. And nice. it's so beautiful. Like if you see it, it's, it's like beautiful. a Yoko Ono piece, man. It's, it's like super Yoko conceptual, Ono, yeah. super deep, super powerful. One more, and then I'll go like super modern day. I'm. These are people I'm kind of envious of, we'll say. Like That's, Monet, like yeah. the palette work, the color choices, sure. the the way he chose like his colors. Soloit, the way he could let himself go from the work and still let it be his work. It's hard mm. to say, you do it and it's mine. Or you do it, this is my idea, it's mine. He was one of the first artists to do that. Mm. And then someone who I'm like super envious of, just like quality, Jeff Koons. Oh, oh man, yeah, sure. totally. No, smooth. I just, that's the first <laughs> word that comes to my mind when smooth, I think it's yeah. smooth, right? Or perfect, or um, I've met a couple of people that have worked in his factory or studio or whatever you want to call it. They say they spend three years doing the side that you see when you walk up to it, and they spend three years doing the undersides of the sculptures that no one sees. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> 
it, it's devils in the details, man. You it's know what I mean, right? It's like crazy. Yeah. So, well, um, so put it this way, man. Um, just to save time because of yeah. everybody, uh, we'd love to have you on as a regular, of man. Course, you know, just know. come on and just just kind of give because you know, LA Street Art Gallery is where we host this podcast, basically. Okay. We've I have been, no idea where that is. Sorry. <clears throat> no, no, no. no. You know what? Scene. It's actually we've thrown we throw a pop up show, so we actually are actually now the oldest street art blog in Los Angeles. That's basically. awesome. We carried it on from Melrose and Fairfax, basically originally. Melrose and Fairfax hated me. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of hate. There's a, there's a lot of hate going on, and uh, but put it this way, That's Melrose came to an end. It came yeah, to an end, crazy. and they passed the torch on to LA Street Art Gallery. Put it this That's way. So awesome. we've been covering it since 2011, basically, cool. and Thank we you actually. Guys covered uh Merrill's and Fairfax too so you know if you want to take a look at our YouTube channel you can see all the history and everything like that too and you know we're doing a, just observing report man for I don't know 10 years now or so something amazing. like that you know yeah. and uh, it's just it's just awesome because there's so many superstars and new artists that have come on the scene like I said we can actually talk about hey back in the day it was like this <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what I mean so it's cool so, so we want to have like just a host no, of regulars you gave me like a like, a nostalgia feeling. No, like a, a shiver. <laughs> yeah, like what happens when you go to war and you come back? <laughs> PTSD. Yeah, that, I had nightmares with Nautilus and Fairfax. Yeah. Oh, really? I, yeah. I told him that he just shut it down finally and he finally did. I had real nightmares. Horrible. He was being like, he hated me for no reason. Man, No, man. I'll tell you why I hated you and it's for a stupid reason. Yeah, it's because you were young and you were doing cool stuff and you were selling things. He hated me. Yeah. He hated me from morons. He's like, this kid has no idea how the, the the rules of the street work. He's going up on every single electrical box over other rules. artists. Rules, yeah, like there's rules. I in was it. like, wait a second. That wasn't part of the game, like. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. The thing is, like, at the beginning, you know, when we first started Ellie Strike Gallery, our whole thing was, hey, let's. We're not artists in the scene we're just documenters we want to find out the rules that was our or if there are rules mm-hmm. you know that was kind of like our original intention but i think as the scene has developed like i said they're just kind of a mutual respect that the artists have a certain levels of respect yeah. and you know and then it's changed and you so also much, learn you know, as you scene. go like when i started i was 15 16 i had no idea what I, I knew that i what i wanted to do i had no idea what i was doing and instead of being hateful you could have someone could have just been like by the way, don't cover other artists' work if you don't want yours covered. Like, oh, that's common sense. I didn't even think of that. Because yeah, you're in right. a adrenaline rush, you're nervous, you're scared, you're going to get arrested, you're like, you're not sure what's happening. You're, you're and you're just like, like a mad as man. quick as you can go, anywhere you can go. <laughs> and and I wish he would have just told me that. And, and, be, now, yeah, and now. because of him, I had a hu- huge, like, everyone was ripping down my posters. Every artist was ripping down my posters. Oh, man. <laughs> That was that was a problem. No, I remember this actually. I know I remember this now. It's like almost like a hit put on an artist or something. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? That was the problem. Yeah, but you know what? I think that um, a lot of the graffiti, like just crew by crew beef culture. That, like I said, it was a. It's still there nowadays. It's still there. But, but it's, I yeah, it's so dumb that we have beef. Like the idea. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's it's totally understandable. It's a natural thing. Okay, yeah, but because to me, when it's you weird. have artists together, you're always going to have some some problem, okay? Yeah. But when you add the vandalism factor to that, you're 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 turning the the volume up yeah. even more but, because but not my, only are yeah. you messing with the artwork, but you risk your rights in possibly getting arrested. But my point is, like, if you team up with someone, it can be way easier. And art is about love and unity, so why not be 
Why not have it always be about love and unity? Why have a fight over it? What's the point? Then you're going against the meaning of what you were doing in the beginning. I absolutely agree. So when I see people fighting or... It's the street though, yeah, man. But <laughs> you even know though, like, okay, so what? When you're in the street, <laughs> right. you always have people that have your back. That's true. That's true. So why not have all the... Au- why not have all the artists have each other's back? Like, why are we go against each other? And why don't, why. why don't, why don't, and why do we bid against each other? Yeah. You know what? Because people, there's this like famine mentality for artists, man. Well, like, no, no, no. Here's what it is. Uh, Batman. The movie Batman. Mm-hmm. Some people just want to see the world burn. <laughs> <laughs> but right. like, I've, I've been in like, you can feel the tension when two artists meet for the first time and you can tell like, Oh, they've been competing for this certain spot or the certain gallery, or this, and you can feel it in the room. And you're like, "What's the point?" Oh yeah. I, What's the? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're someone right. who likes your work doesn't necessarily like mine, and someone that likes mine doesn't necessarily like yours. And if they like both of ours, yo, home run hit. Yeah. But there's if that. They don't com- understand that the professional thing to do, if you have a group show or something like yeah. that, is if you're talking to somebody and they're they're looking at your work. You explain your work, and then you take them over, and you yeah. show them the other artist's work. And, and you explain to them about that artist and how cool they are and everything. And what that does is that let that person know, wow, this person is very knowledgeable, he's very considerate, and he's a nice guy. And so that also deter- helps them determine if they're going to like your artwork or not. They could kind of 100%. like it. 100%. And, and all of a sudden, you're an asshole. Fuck you, they're not going to buy your artwork big, anymore. Big collectors collect the artist, not the art. Yeah, exactly. It's because there's a story behind the artist, basically. Not, not only the story, like... Progression. The progression, but also, will it last? If yeah. you're a dick, 99% of the time, you're not going to make it that far. Yeah, that's true. That, that's Kindness true. opens doors. Wow, okay. Great advice right there. You know what? We, we got to end this, dude. Yeah, oh, we, we, we got to stab here. My car's going to be <laughs> But you know what? Like I said, we'd love to invite you on again as a, as a regular, man. You know to. what I mean? So, all right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Don't forget to leave us a review. You know, subscribe to us. us. Any tips or whatever to help us to improve, trying to make this all better for all of us. Thank Thank you very much. Love you guys. Take care. Bye. Peace. And in.